David Childs tells in his book, The Man Who Moved a Mountain, about the area called Buffalo Mountain, not too far southwest of here, where roads were mere hog paths less than a century ago, bridges were non-existent, and school was taught for only four months out of a year by a teacher with an eighth-grade education. Corn made whiskey, and apples made brandy, and the liquor ran freely. Every boy was taught how to use a gun, and every man carried one, and had no qualms about using it to settle even a minor dispute. One day, this fatal mixture of liquor and guns and romance put a 17-year-old boy in his grave. The parents asked the new Presbyterian preacher to lead the funeral. Now, the new Presbyterian preacher was different from the hard-shell primitive Baptist preachers of the day. And Bob Childress, who had grown up not far from Buffalo Mountain in the same type of society where making and drinking liquor was everybody's hobby, was a little uncertain about how he should approach this funeral. He had learned from wise teachers that getting in fights and drinking, or vice versa, was not all that there was to life, that there was much, much more. And as he prepared his comments for the funeral, he knew, literally, that he was risking his life to say what he felt like he should say. But he did it anyway. He felt guided to say that our youth are dying because we're not teaching them well. We are the problem. Now you can imagine what these people who had lived this way for years thought about this outsider coming in and telling them what was wrong with them. They were offended. There was this tense silence, which at other times had led to gunshots. But at this time, after the preacher had finished on the front porch of the dead boy's house, one mother came up, and through that tense silence, you could hear her say, Thank you, preacher. We needed to hear that. He told them the truth. And, when they, and they knew it when they heard it. But nobody had ever said it to them before until this one man took a risk and told them the truth. It was a smaller version of Pentecost. Childress brought a new language to the backwoods people of Buffalo Mountain. He brought in ideas from beyond the hills and hollows, ideas that brought people together, that helped them to learn, that taught them good things about life, about truth, about goodness, and about God. Jesus was an even wiser teacher. In the Gospels, we read lesson after lesson about how to make life more meaningful for ourselves and for others. And like with Bob Childress, often these lessons are offensive. The lessons are painful. 
One time a little girl lined up all of her dolls on the couch in the living room, and her dad asked her what she was doing, and she said, I'm playing school. I'm the teacher, and these are my prisoners. (laughs) And it strikes me that sometimes we can feel like prisoners to the truths that we hear from wise teachers. Sharon Briggs Fanny said, Some people are afraid of truth, but be it understood, the truth's not going to hurt you. Unless, of course, it should. In these chapters of John, where Jesus is preparing his disciples for his coming departure, he says, I'm paraphrasing, something like this. I know that it grieves you to think about my being gone. But I have to go away for you to receive power. While I'm here, you are dependent on me. But you need to depend on God. And you need to depend on each other. And you can't do that while I'm here. Jesus names one aspect of God's spirit in John's 15 and six, John chapters 15 and 16. The word in the original Greek is transliterated paraclete. Paraclete, one who is called alongside. So various English versions, since we can't really translate that easily, they choose several words. Advocate, helper, comforter, counselor, friend. When I was in college, my buddy Roger worked with the Valley Voice radio reading service for the print handicapped, and he encouraged me, since I was majoring in communications, to get some experience there. So he and another student trained me over several sessions, and then I was scheduled for a solo shift. When I got there, I started sweating. I couldn't remember which knob did what, how to load reel-to-reels long ago, when I was supposed to switch the router, and so I called Roger in his dorm room, and I was so thankful that he answered. He volunteered to come and rescue me, and I accepted, of course. Now, Roger would get a kick out of being compared to the Holy Spirit, but he was the, the kind of, the combination of education and experience and guidance that I needed right at that moment. He was my advocate, my comforter, my guide, my friend, the one who I called, literally, to come alongside me and guide me, and he did. Now, I don't want to imply that the Holy Spirit is only there for us in times of crisis. This gift of God is with us all the time and has various abilities. Jesus says, when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. This advocate helps us testify to the truth about God, about Jesus, about what is good. And we need this Spirit of truth because often it is elusive. Truth can be elusive. For those of you who haven't seen the movie Slumdog Millionaire, it won't spoil spoil it for you. 
by telling you that the answer to one of the questions asked of Jamal, well, I'll tell you in a minute, or maybe you'll know yourself. Jamal is a contestant on India's version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And the question asked was, what motto is inscribed at the base of the national emblem of India? Here are the four possible answers. Money alone triumphs. Power alone triumphs. Justice alone triumphs. Truth alone triumphs. What do you think? Truth alone Is that your final answer? Well, we can kind of figure it out. I didn't know, but I, I could figure it out. And the contestant, though, was confused because his education had been on the streets where it appears that money triumphs or that power triumphs or that retributive justice triumphs. And while money and power and justice win daily battles in the overall war, truth alone triumphs. And the Spirit of God exposes the truth. Do you remember in The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion and the Scarecrow had come before the wizard? This is towards the end. And Toto, the dog, pulls back the curtain and reveals that the wizard is not these lights and reverberating this reverberating voice, but it's a man sitting at a console moving things around. The truth was exposed. As our wise teacher Jesus taught us, the Spirit would expose sin, righteousness, and judgment in the world. Eugene Peterson paraphrases it like this, When the Spirit comes, he'll expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He'll show them that their refusal to believe in me is their basic sin. That righteousness comes from above where I am with the Father out of their sight and control. That judgment takes place as the ruler of this godless world is brought to trial and convicted. John's poetic gospel reminds us too at the very beginning that the light of God shines in the darkness and darkness, evil, the ruler of this godless world does not overcome the light. Think about the combination of truth and language in this story told by a former pastor. It's about a junior high boy who was always in trouble at school. So when his parents received one more call to come in and meet with his teacher and the principal, they knew what was coming. Or so they thought. The teacher sat down with the boy's father and said, Thanks for coming. I wanted you to hear what I have to say. The father crossed his arms and waited thinking what defense he could use this time. And the teacher then proceeded to go down a list of ten things, ten positive affirmations of this junior high troublemaker. When she finished, 
The father said, And what else? Let's hear the bad things. That's all I wanted to say, she said. That night when the father got home, he repeated the conversation to his son. And not surprisingly, almost overnight, the boy's attitude and behavior changed dramatically. Sometimes the spirit is beside us with gentle nudges and with calm, accepting love. But today on Pentecost, we see the fierce power of the Spirit rushing into the lives of Jesus' followers, changing the way people talk, ripping down barriers, and reconciling people who have been divided for years. This is the Spirit of truth. And that Spirit of truth is powerful in changing negatives to positives. In fact, at the end of today's Pentecost passage, Peter quotes the prophet Joel. Joel had used these words of prophecy as an omen. Disaster was about to occur in what he was saying because the people of God had been disobedient. But Peter found that the words now fit a newer, a better situation. Instead, their portents of great visions, of dreams, of equality, of salvation, and hope. All of Jesus' followers left him in some way the night before his crucifixion or the morning. And yet now the Spirit gives them new life and boldness and power to overcome the dark blankets which the world tries to throw over our heads. Those gathered on Pentecost were less than the number of us gathered here today. And how they change the world. What would it look like in our church or in our neighborhood or in our valley if we took seriously the call to testify to the good news of Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit? It takes a word of faith, it takes a friendly invitation. I'm thankful for permission to tell the story that one of you told me recently. She invited someone to church. And the person said, you know, my kids have been after us for a long time to get back in church. And who knew? But I would say that this person listened to the Spirit and was guided by the Spirit to offer one word of invitation of experience perhaps we might have to offer. Let the Spirit guide you. Listen, feel for that balloon to inflate within you. You probably know someone who's waiting for an invitation to church or waiting to hear about your experience with God, waiting to hear the truth about God and Jesus Christ. Let the Spirit move you with that powerful rushing wind to awe-inspiring power.